This is Carol Jago. I've been a teacher in Santa Monica High School for 32 years, and with me is Barry Gilmore, teacher at Lausanne Collegiate School in Memphis, and author of the new Heinemann book, Plagiarism, Why It Happened and How to Prevent It. Barry, you've been thinking about this issue a lot lately. Uh, what is it that brought it to your attention, plagiarism? Well, when I was presenting on other subjects involving writing, teachers would not only always ask about plagiarism, but it seems like every teacher I've ever met has a story about plagiarism that they, they want to share and then ask um, how they might deal with it, how I might deal with it, what some of the consequences might be. And I found that there's just a lot of confusion out there on the topic, and it seems to be a growing problem because of... I, I agree with you. Yes, they, 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 I think sometimes those questions, too, are they're asking, did I do okay? Did, did, right. did I screw up here? Right, exactly. And and part of that is just wanting some, some confirmation, but it's also no one really has the right answer of how to deal with what's a very tricky problem, uh, both ethically and just logistically, I think, practically for teachers and for students. Now, with, uh, so, in, in, in those terms, I mean, what, how do you feel ethically that, that teachers should, should take a stand? Well, I think, I think it's very difficult to talk in absolutes about the ethics of plagiarism when it evolves in such a case-by-case way. And when I hear the stories teachers tell about plagiarism, in one sense, they're all the same. They have some of the same elements. But there's always a different context to them. And part of what I think of those ethics is that once the plagiarism has happened, we've lost the battle. That what we really need to do is go back and rethink the steps that lead up to that. And that's where we can have a productive conversation about some responses as teachers over the long term. I completely agree with you on, on that. So often I feel uh, everything after the fact is is almost wasted effort and you're well, just focusing you have, on punishment. Right. You have to follow through with it and there have to be consequences, but it's really a lose-lose proposition at that point. No one's going to come out of it unscathed. Exactly. Exactly. So what do you do? What 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 what's your 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 advice to to teachers out there in, in schools? Sure. Well, um, why don't we start with a with a typical example, um, just to sort of set the stage. The kind of story I hear from teachers all the time, and I'll just draw one from my career. Of course, I've had many now that I've been teaching for some time. But early in my career, I had a case, and this was before I was really prepared to deal with plagiarism in any thoughtful way or systematic way. I had a case where I got two summer reading assignments early in the school year, and they looked very much the same. In fact, they're even next to each other in the stack because the students sat next to each other in class. Um, so I looked into them, and I thought, well, these sentences sound a lot alike. And when I looked, I did a little digger deeping. I Googled some of the phrases. I found that some of the phrases had come from the Internet. So I called the students in, and I spoke to them, together and discovered that with, without too much prompting, because I find that students actually quite often are willing to admit to this pretty quickly, not always, but often, I found that one student had copied some of the information, cut and pasted some of the information from an online source. Then he'd loaned his essay to the other student. Yes, yes, I know this story myself, yes. Right, exactly. So this is, I, I say again, this is not a complicated story. Uh, it, I've, I've seen much more convoluted cases, 
but it's a pretty typical story. Here I've got one student who has copied from the Internet, compounded the error by loaning the paper out, <laughs> and then the next student who's copied from the first student. And the question becomes, first of all, is one more to blame than the other? At least the first student did some original work, <laughs> but he also sort of compounded his error. Um, I also have the question of how am I going to respond to this? Am I going to bring in other people, or am I going to deal with it internally? Do I involve administrators, parents? Do I fail the students or have them rewrite? How am I going to prove that it's plagiarized if they say it's not? And then it raises those concerns for me, especially at that time as a young teacher. How often is this happening? Are other students doing it? Are they getting away with it? All these questions that I had to answer. Um, One interesting side note of that story is that later in that year, the second of those students was doing an application, I think, to the Air Force Academy, and he oh, had gosh. to have his English teacher write a recommendation. And the first question on that on that recommendation form had to do with character. So uh-huh. the long-term consequences are are there. Um, yes. For these students, and it's and for the teachers. I mean, that's not a situation any teacher wants to find himself or herself in. As well. No, no, and and you know what, what interests me so much about your story is with the where do you as a teacher place yourself? How far is do we have to go? Do we have to involve parents? Do we have to involve uh, administration? Or do we want to solve it between ourselves and, and the students? And I think that's a question teachers have to decide for themselves. As you mentioned, you might do one thing as a young teacher and something else as, as a more experienced teacher. Right. I think that that's true. Although, as a more experienced teacher, you tend to see some of those consequences more clearly. And one thing I would say, the the one thing I think I did right in that whole story, there were probably many things I did wrong, but one thing I think I did right was when I met with the students, I said to them, I want you to come back tomorrow, and I'm going to think about this overnight. And why that's so important is I think for many teachers, and I include myself, when we catch students plagiarizing, it's personal. It's emotional for us yes. as well. We're invested as well. They, so they broke our hearts somehow. They, 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 they violated right. our trust. Yes. Right. And we love words and we love language and, and we want our students to love it just as much in everything they do. Um, I think that it's true that we have to take these on a case-by-case basis. We have to find out what's going on with those students. We have to find out what the consequences might be. It does help to have a system in the school. It does help if we know that there is a system that's going to lock into place if we involve an administrator. That yes, we know what's I, going to I, I am often reluctant to get the machine involved in it. My school does have systems in place with very clear guidelines and rules. Part of it, and I'm just going to be candid here, as soon as I take step one on that series of consequences, I, there, there are many things that I have to do, and it's going to be very, very time-consuming for me. Right, absolutely. So there's a part of me that really wants to solve it with me, the student, sitting down together. Right, and I think in the short term, that's probably a very profitable way to do it in high school. What we find in studies, especially at the college level, is that a number of professors aren't responding to plagiarism cases for just that reason because at that level there, there could also be legal consequences. It could really be long and drawn out. At the same time, you have to wonder, 
if you're dealing with it only in your classroom and the social studies teacher down the hallway or, or the teacher the year before you dealt with it that way, is the student learning the lesson ultimately? And that's right. where you want a system in your school that you feel comfortable with and that your faculty has agreed upon. I, I recommend quite often a two-strike system where if this happens with any faculty member, you can write it down, you can file it somewhere central, the consequences remain internal in the classroom, but then the next teacher to run into it can go and look at that file and see if this is a repeat offender or if this is a first-time case and deal with it appropriately. That makes sense. Did the student learn, did, you know, was it kind of scared straight and, 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 and they'll never do, promise never to do it again or, or is it somebody who it takes a, a stronger consequence to, to make the student pay, sit up and, and pay attention? Exactly. There was something you said earlier about telling the students, I need to think about this. I thought that was very powerful because, one, the kid's nervous and worried, and that's not a bad thing. But but more importantly, it suggests that you are taking it very seriously, that you don't want to shoot from the hip and just, you know, tell a student you're going to get an F or you're going to do that, you, that, that you're going to contemplate this and, and think about all the possible ramifications. Now, you know, you, in your book, I, I was so interested in the section where you talk about the culture of the school, change, trying to change the culture of, of, of the school, the attitude toward, toward plagiarism. What, 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 what else were you thinking about? What, what inspired that? Well, as I said earlier, once the plagiarism has occurred, we've all lost. From that point on, everything's downhill and, and we do our best. But I think as teachers, we really have to rethink what are the causes of that kind of plagiarism and really the broader connections to all sorts of cheating and academic dishonesty. And some of those things are uh, attributable to students and the responsibility lies with the students. But I do think we have to step back and think about our schools and our classrooms and so, some examples, we know that students plagiarize more when they're feeling a great deal of pressure. Plagiarism is rarely something that happens weeks before the assignment is due and is carefully thought out. It's almost always a last-minute response to a buildup of pressures. And when you start to think about those pressures, they're more than just the last-minute deadline. They have to do with the importance of the grades, with the seriousness sure. of an honor code, with pressures from parents and from coaches and from other teachers and from fellow students and the perception of success, college admissions and recommendations, there are all sorts of pressures that are leading the student to that point. And some of those pressures are natural to a school system. Others, I think, we can, we can think about uh, a little more carefully than we sometimes do. I'll give you an example. We know that students cheat more and plagiarize more when they place more emphasis on extrinsic rewards than on intrinsic rewards. Sure. They're more yeah. concerned about honor rolls or about what the grades are going to be for this or that application than when they are concerned about the learning. And really what we need to be doing to address plagiarism is trying to increase student learning and motivation and interest in what they're learning. That that is what leads students to do a return. Sure. Ownership. If you if you if it's yours, why would you want to plagiarize? You want it exactly. to be yours. Exactly. Yeah. Trying the students who are trying just to get the task done are very different from those who are trying to complete the spirit 
of the assignment. In the case of my story earlier, those two students clearly waited. They had the whole summer. They waited till the end of the summer. They got behind. They got pressured. And they made some stupid errors, which were really fairly easy to catch. Now, in that sense, it may just have been procrastination that got them there, but there may also have been other worries. They knew they were coming into a new class. They knew this assignment counted for a lot. Is it necessary that that assignment be due on the very first day back from the summer, Mm -hmm. which is going to increase that anxiety greatly? Have I told them clearly what I want, and have I taken into account what will increase their ownership? Have I given them, for example, a choice of what to write about so that their interest in the assignment might go up, Or have I dictated a response that might make them feel, well, I don't really care about this. I just have to get it done. That makes sense tremendously to me, Barry. What what about this aspect of the habit of copying homework, you know, that a lot of kids carry over from from middle school? I mean, that is just, in in my experience, absolutely blatant. Uh, usually it's not English. Usually it's it's kind of busy work homework that students have been given in, let's say, social studies. Answer, you know, write the answers to these questions, and they don't they they don't even think of it as anything wrong with you know barring somebody's paper. Well, I'm just, what do you, you know? I'll come over because they're supposed to be doing something in my class, and what do you do? Oh, I'm cop I'm just copying uh, Brenda's homework. <laughs> and it, it just. It, it seems to me that this probably has a contributing factor for students not seeing plagiarizing on an on a on an essay in, in English is anything different than copying somebody's homework. I mean, does, do you see any correlation there? Sure. And in my talks with students, even 12th grade students in high school, and especially younger students, run into this problem all the time. For one thing, their teachers themselves may essentially plagiarize their questions from a text and then expect a direct response out of the text to that question. You can imagine, for example, a teacher writing review questions on a chapter of a social studies textbook where the questions are almost word for word out of the text and the answers are supposed to be as well. Now, that makes sense in the mind of the teacher. There's a there's a purpose to that task. But for the student, that may be confusing. Why yeah. you are supposed to take word for word answers in that case are you not in other cases? And, I hadn't thought of that. That makes sense. That makes right. sense. And, and so what we want to do, I think, is, is first of all, make it clear when we make an assignment why we're asking for the responses in this way. And that has even further reaching consequences when you start thinking about other kinds of legal ownership. Take, for example, images on the Internet where we mm-hmm. might assign a PowerPoint and ask the students just to grab the images off the Internet. Yes, That's not yes. such a far cry from the kind of textual copying that you're talking about as well. All of and yet that, somehow we think the images are free. It's Google Images. What the heck? It'll add color to the piece and you just right. use it. No, that's, that makes sense. All of it, I think, has to do, again, with the culture of the school and... Some schools have honor codes, some don't, but every school has an expectation of honor and character and honesty. And I think that we have to build in, with the faculty and the students, conversations about that. I do, too. I do, too. And and before you you get to a place where students are even turning in anything, you have to have the conversation first. Right. Yeah. The simple existence of an honor code statistically slows plagiarism down or eliminates some plagiarism, but it's not a huge amount 
just by virtue of having the honor code researcher Donald McCabe, who I cite in my book, has one study that shows that an honor code tends to reduce plagiarism in universities by about 10% most of the time. That's not a huge amount, and it means that some of the students who are always being honest are still honest, and some who are always dishonest are still dishonest. There's a margin in the middle where it can make a difference. But I do think that the existence of an honor code is different from the constant implementation of a sense of honesty and honor. Having those discussions with faculty as a team itself, in its faculty meetings with its administrators, those discussions have to go on. Are we consistent? Are we sending the same message? Do we need to think about this more? Well, it it seems to me that those kind of conversations are an antidote to what students will meet. Let's say they're on the Internet. Well, let's say they're actually trying to do genuine research on, let's say, Amy Tan, and they're looking for essays by Amy Tan. So maybe they type in Amy Tan essays. What will come up are endless student essays to buy on the Internet, uh, essentially plagiarism. And, you know, it's easy for us to to say, well, of course they see that that's wrong. <laughs> when when you're bombarded with it and you're not, uh, and, and there's no antidote, there's, there's no somebody telling the other story saying, this is wrong, this is, this is you're going to get in a lot of trouble, this, this, you're, you're letting somebody else chew your food for you. You know, I mean, any number of ways that we try to send a message to students not to do things like that, they're certainly being, it's, it's on offer. That's right. And actually what we find is that it's a pretty small percentage of students who take the essay directly offline. It does happen. There are several hundred sites out there with great names, um, you know, schoolsucks.com and these places that are providing these essays. But a fairly small percentage take those essays and turn them in. They tend to cut and paste pieces of those essays into their own work, which makes it still possible to catch that but a little harder, and of course, the smarter the student is about it, the more words they'll change and the harder it becomes, and it ends up being some work for the students. But in your case, in your example of the Amy Tan essay, I would say, sure, the students get on, they can Google Amy Tan essay, and they'll find all these responses. My question of the student would be, are you taking responsibility for your learning if you're doing that? My question of the teacher would be, what did you assign? Did you say, go home and write an essay about Amy Tan, making it easier for the student to respond that way. Did you say you have two days in which to write this essay, in which case the student who has basketball practice and play practice and whatever other things is more tempted to turn to that recourse in order to get the assignment done? Or did you take the time in class to discuss the expectations of the essay, maybe to work on a thesis statement so that the student has that feeling of ownership, maybe even to look up some of the quotations the student would use, to have students talk in pairs about possible topics and nuances of the thesis. How much have you done as a teacher to build that investment and ownership to, so that the student will want to write the essay himself or herself? Now, that makes really good sense. Really good. But what about that, that gray area where a student is out there on the Internet reading things about Amy Tan, reading, I mean, you know, and learning things about what others have said? How... Where do you draw the line with secondary sources where you're stealing somebody's ideas and uh, where you're just, oh, yeah, now I see it that way, too, and then and then uh, making it your, your own? That's I mean, do you great. see that as? 
Yeah, that's a great point, and I think that what you're seeing there is the difference between intentional plagiarism and unintentional plagiarism to some degree. Another reason that we want to take our time and think about the cases of plagiarism that come up and how a student responds and think about the context, we don't want to lead to the conclusion that the student was maliciously trying to uh, copy an assignment and get away with it. Maybe there were some unintentional moments Mm -hmm. along the way. In fact, I actually like to have students often write down because, as you said, they're so nervous when you confront them. And I often want to say, you know what, why don't you take a few minutes and write down for me what happened and anything you want me to know, and then I'll think about it, and then we'll talk about it after that. Now, that doesn't excuse students from the fact that they need to understand how to research, how to take notes, what needs to be cited and what doesn't need to be cited. And I don't want anything I say to excuse the student from the responsibilities they have. Those responsibilities are different, for example, for a 6th grader or a 12th grader or a college student, depending on how much of that material has been taught to the student. With a 12th grader, I would expect the knowledge of attribution. And yes, there may be those very difficult cases about common knowledge where they're not quite sure. But for the most part, I would expect the citations to be there. With a 6th grader or a 7th grader, they might not know yet. And we might need to go back and work with them more carefully and give them a chance to rewrite the paper with some oversight and see how to do that. I do think that we need to help students with their note-taking skills and their research skills on an ongoing basis so that we can avoid those cases where they unintentionally just grab information and think they're doing the, the, the okay thing. Have you ever had a case where you just uh, saw a paper, knew it was plagiarized, just handed it back to the student and said, I need another paper from you tomorrow? I mean, you know, just not even almost entering into the dialogue of, you know what you did, I know what you did, give me another paper and I'll pretend I never saw this. Right. I, you know, having written the book and done the studies, I have less tendency to ignore plagiarism or huh. to brush it off now because, not because uh, I feel any meaner about it, but because I think that the student um, needs to know those consequences are there especially because the, the the stakes are rising in college and college plagiarism is being treated so severely. However, in answer to your question, yes, um, I have done that. I had a student, for example, who turned in an essay uh, once and I, I handed it back with just the note on it that said, this is a great essay. It was also a great essay when your girlfriend turned it in last year. <laughs> and, you know, in that case, I knew the student, I knew what the response would be. That's right. And I knew that he would be so embarrassed and it would not happen again. And he did, in fact, come and talk to me about it. And and as far as I know, it never happened again. He he was horrified that I'd caught him and that that he had let me down in that way. I'm glad to hear you. Yeah. I'm glad to hear you say that because I really think that teachers need the freedom to to respond just, just like that occasionally and not automatically go into step one, step two, step three mode, even though it's really, I agree, it's important for schools to have those procedures down, but I want to be able to have the, the, the freedom to make some decisions on my own like that in, in, right. in terms of my relationship with students. Right. Again, I, I then, I like to have some system in a school where there's some dialogue about that. It might be something as formal as what I described where there's a folder somewhere and, and you put a report in it. It might be something less formal, 
a lot of schools now are going to these advisory systems where every faculty has a group of students, every faculty member has a group of students that he or she counsels. And in that case, you've got a key person to go to and say, look, this student had this issue. Um, you can be the, the gatekeeper for this. If anyone else comes to you, you can be the person who deals with it. Otherwise, I'm going to let it go in my classroom or ask the student to rewrite and we'll erase the slate and move on. There are a lot of ways to handle that as a faculty. And I really think it's very profitable for faculties to sit down and talk about what's right for the school, what will work for the culture of that school. So if, if you were to give a teacher one golden nugget of advice to, to help prevent plagiarism in their classroom, what, what would it be? For an English teacher. For an English teacher. For an English teacher in particular, my advice would be to think very carefully about writing prompts and assignments and try to raise the interest level for students and the motivation level. Now, there's a lot of standard advice about doing that out there online. Make the prompts more personal, make them more specific, and make them unlikely compare one piece to another unlikely piece. None of those are bad pieces of advice. I think on my summer reading assignment that I referred to with the two students who plagiarized, part of the problem there was that the prompt was so wide open that it was easy to plagiarize. And now for a summer reading assignment where they're not going to be with me, I might say, well, what's your personal response to this text? Or tell me a story about a time similar to the story in the text. But throughout the year now, I really try to build in steps of assignments, even with my best students and my best writers. I want to give them the chance to do the assignments and steps and to talk to each other and to me, not only to break down the writing process, which is good practice anyway, but so that that level of ownership will increase. So I never say, go write an essay about Hamlet. I now say, let's talk about possible essay topics for Hamlet then turn to your neighbor and talk about one you like and try writing a thesis statement and let's share those thesis statements and, and go that way so that by the time the student leaves the classroom, he or she is excited to write that essay rather than dreading it. Barry, thank you so much. I know this is going to help me, help me with answers for my students, help me with answers in workshops. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, I think you've got to go back to class. I do, Carol. Thank you very no. much for talking about it. Okay. Bye-bye now. Bye.